Welcome to the Baptist Broadcast. Thank you for tuning in to Spotify, iTunes, Podcast Addict, Anchor.fm. If you're watching here on YouTube, please do not forget to click that subscribe button and the bell for continued notifications. At the end of this video, hopefully you will better be equipped or you will be better equipped to discern curiosity as a sin. That's right. Curiosity is a sin. Maybe not according to our modern understanding of the term, but historically, curiosity was equated to or was a synonym of lust. And it was a lust for the satiation of our sinful appetites, greed, idolatry, and so on. And um, and so you have uh, this very, historically, you have this very extreme, what seems like an extreme claim to some, that curiosity is a sin. Uh, now, before we talk about that a little bit more, let's read 1 John 2, 16 and verse 17. In that text, we read, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Now, in our day and age, we we tend to we tend to trivialize something like curiosity, and we, you know, we 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 quisitively ask people questions in the following manner. That's interesting, but I'm curious. What does this have to do with X Y Z? Right. So you you understand how we use the word. And oftentimes we, 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 we think in terms of curiosity, right? So we're on our phones or we're on our tablets or our laptops and we're, we're scrolling through a news feed and we're, we're curious about what's around the corner. And sometimes this adds up to 45 minutes, an hour, two hours, three hours on your phone. You can have a dinner party or you can, you can have a movie night and you, you, you look around halfway through the movie and you start to realize that everyone's attention span has been depleted and they're now on their new scrolling through news feeds on Facebook or TikTok or Twitter or whatever it is halfway through the movie they can't even get through the movie because they they have this lust or this curiosity to look through their phones and to look through these various kinds of news feeds i mean we've all done this right um, and we've all done this because it's kind of like the socially acceptable sin curiosity is where it's okay to, to have certain kinds of lust, uh, you know, and of course we compartmentalize lust and we say, well, sexual lust is, is obviously wrong and, and that's sinful. Um, but, but what's behind sexual lust is lust in general or lust in principle or the vice of lust simply considered and when we call when we talk about sexual lust, we're just talking about a, a particular species of lust, which is sinful in general. So lust, as applied to uh, to sex, is sinful. Lust, as applied to your newsfeed on your cell phone, is sinful as well. Lust is always sinful in all of its forms. And you know, in 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 modernity, we think of the word curiosity as something that is wholly disjointed or 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 detached from, or unhitched from, lust, uh, or covetousness, or greed. We don't think of curiosity in those terms. We just think of curiosity as 
as something that is, you know, morally benign, something that we're in, at liberty to engage in. And as a result of dropping our guard with regard to curiosity and becoming complacent with it, we're on our phones 24-7, scrolling through our news feeds, Twitter, what have you. I think Thomas Aquinas has some helpful words on curiosity. Uh, the question is asked, question 167, of prima, uh, not prima pars, but secunda secunda of the Summa Theologiae. Um, the question, the first question, article one under question 167 asks whether curiosity can be about intellective knowledge. He says basically, yes, it can be about intellectual, intellectual knowledge um, or intellective knowledge. That is, it can be true knowledge, uh, and it can be something that exists truly and really in the intellect. And he quotes Jerome, and it says, Jerome says, Is it not evident that a man who day and night wrestles with the dialectic art, the student of natural science who, whose gaze pierces the heavens, walks in vanity of understanding and darkness of mind? In other words, what Jerome is saying is, that these, these individuals who are very skilled at coming to a true knowledge of the natural sciences, uh, those individuals who are truly skilled at the dialectic art, uh, at rhetoric, uh, those who are truly skilled at, at uh, philosophizing about various things. Do you not know, Jerome asks, that even they walk in a pattern of vanity. And the reason they walk in a pattern of vanity, even though they are truly learning things that are objectively good, you know, an astronomer knows things about the night sky. Um, and the night sky is objectively good. It, de it declares the glory of God. But something that Thomas will, will say later is that the way in which this kind of knowledge becomes vain is that it is a it is a knowledge for the sake of uh, the the satisfaction of some sinful appetite like lust. In other words, it's like I know it just simply because I want to know it, and there really is no higher end than that. So, um, so he he says something like, "Well, it becomes sinful or it becomes curious or lustful when it is not appointed to some higher end or use." All right, and so knowledge, just for the sake of having knowledge, is curious. That's curiosity. The alternative to curiosity, uh, which remember, Thomas and others of that period and before, he quotes Augustine extensively as well in the section. Curiosity is lust. So what we read in First John two, when we talk, when, when we when we read that word lust, the lust of the flesh, you know, that is a synonym for curiosity or the way in which the medievals are using curiosity. And it's a desire, a craving, a longing to know something simply for the sake of you knowing it. There is no higher end in sight. Um, when, we, when we think of theology, we think of, uh, of knowing God, uh, we don't know about God simply to know about God. We know God, uh, not for us to know God, and thus, you know, satisfy that appetite in us. Uh, that, that turns uh, our inquiry into the doctrine of God into a mere selfish, endless agenda. Um, but we know God for the sake of God, right? We know God in order to know 
God. In other words, we know God for the sake of the object of our knowledge, which is God himself. We don't don't learn things about God simply so that we can satisfy our appetite to know more facts about him, right? We know know God for God's sake. Um, And curiosity, on the other hand, would say, well, we know things about God um, because we want to. And really, that's where the buck stops. We just it's just because we want to, and that want to is really unexplained, doesn't have a final cause, there's no goal in sight, um, and there's no higher desire than that of accruing a body of facts and storing it in the memory bank, so to speak. All right, the alternative to this would be something like studiousness, which Thomas deals with in the previous question, 166, which I think is helpful as well. Uh, again, this is a question that had been dealt with Uh, in the patristics, greater part of church history, uh, Christians are dealing with this. Thomas is just one representative, but uh, 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 Augustine, he quotes Augustine, who startlingly startlingly says, um, we are forbidden to be curious. And you think about that, and you're like, that sounds legalistic. And in our modern, you know, idea of curiosity and that socially acceptable way of being lustful, it does sound legalistic to us. We think, well, who is Augustine to say it's wrong to be curious? I can be curious about whatever I want, plus the misappropriation, of course, of Christian liberty. Um, I'm at liberty to be curious about anything I want. Well, actually, no, we're not. Because if if we don't know anything, theology or the natural sciences for that matter, if we don't know anything for a higher end or a higher purpose that is ultimately to glorify God, um, then we are engaging in curiosity, which is just a stripe or a species of lust, and we are in sin. Again, it's so socially acceptable that you look around at, uh, at people in public uh, you know, we've been sitting at dinner before uh, at, at, at a restaurant looking around and we noticed that there's like a group together, a, a family, either a large family or a group of friends together. And, and they've all congregated at this restaurant to eat together. Meanwhile, they're all silent, sitting on their phones, scrolling through their news feeds. Right. And you wonder, uh, you know, there, there's something wrong with this picture. I can't quite put my mind, my finger on it, but there's something wrong. You have a you have a lack of social interaction. You know, those people are uh, are not talking to one another. They're not treating one another as as human beings. They're not prioritizing one another as they are in the presence of one another. Instead, they're prioritizing some digital reality. Um, and so. You're able to put your finger on it. You're able to say, well, this isn't right. What's behind it is the vice of curiosity. It's the vice of curiosity. In other words, it's lust. There's a lust there, even though it's not, it may not be sexual lust. Uh, there's a certain kind of lust there that looks for the next thing around the corner, right? It's the next thing around the corner. I want to, you know, it's not It's not necessarily looking at uh, a, a scantily, a uh, clothed woman, you know, someone who's not dressed very well. Uh, it's not it's not a sexual kind of lust, perhaps. But in principle, it's the same thing. It's, oh, I just want to 
I just want to unveil a little bit more of the next thing. Um, and it's, it's this, it's this, it's this, um, what, what does Paul call it? In fact, I'll look it up here. Um, let's see. Uh, Paul says something to the effect of always learning. That's right. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Second uh, Timothy three, seven. And that's because you know, when you're talking about the philosophers and uh, of, of Paul's day, um, when you're talking about uh, scholastic abuses in the Middle Ages, or you know, and, and we've seen it in our own day, perhaps the most obvious area where this happens within kind of mainstream evangelicalism is in the massive apologetics movement, where knowledge is kind of just accrued for its own sake that I would that I would know and perhaps be able to stomp my interlocutor um, is is a kind of curiosity even though there's an end to it uh, being able to defeat someone in a debate it's not a pure end um, by any means and um, and so there's there's a curiositas in in that as well uh, an example of that you, you know we're just wanting to learn so that we can and, and, you know, I understand there are true apologists, defenders of the faith who are very adept and at that and useful. And so I'm not bashing that at all. I think there's a place for it and everyone needs to know how uh, to defend their faith. But uh, at the same time, I think that the emphasis of it has given away or has given way to uh, curiosity. Um, what Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, 6 through 7, he says, For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Um, and so this idea of always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth, which Paul gives an extensive list uh, describing uh those kinds of men, lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, and so on. So the idea here is that someone who knows a lot uh, isn't necessarily uh, a Christian, uh, but they're, they're also not necessarily qualified to teach anything uh, or to to guide other men or to lead other men. And the reason for that is that an accrual of much knowledge in and of itself is not necessarily indicative of a pious person, of a truly genuinely, genuinely loving Christian. Just because someone knows a lot doesn't indicate any of that. A pious man who knows much, knows much in service of something else, namely in service of their likeness unto God, personally, themselves, uh, loving God and and being like him, but it's all it also exists in the service of loving uh, their neighbors. 
loving their their churches and their families and and so if they if they know a lot and it's not in service to anything but the satiation of their own sinful appetites then that knowledge is uh, is vain they have accrued it vainly um, whereas if you see a man who cares for his family loves his family loves his church and also knows a lot you 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 can be sure that he's bringing that knowledge into the service of some higher end that is not merely his lust for knowing if that makes sense in other words he's not lusting after knowledge he is knowing for some higher end ultimately of course it's to glorify god <clears throat> and that's that's the difference between studiousness and and curiosity is curiosity there is no end right it's it's knowledge for one's own sake whereas studiousness is knowledge unto the glory of God, and more specifically uh, and subordinately, it's knowledge for ones uh, to use in service of others, um, and to use, of course, bring into the service of a growth in the likeness of God, and, uh, and, and, um, uh, and really a knowledge for God himself, right? We don't, it's not a knowledge for us per se, it's a knowledge for God himself. It's a knowledge for God's own sake. And so I think that's an important difference to consider, uh, the, the difference between curiosity and studiousness and the, the implications of curiosity and the social acceptance of it is that we have people who are now, and I, again, I put myself in this, I mean, we're, we're all products of our age. Um, we are disjointed and unhitched from one another uh, it's it's created a rift in relationships because we're curious <clears throat> and we're really used to it's socially acceptable now to just feed our lusts and so we just feed our lusts they're not always sexual lusts but we're feeding our lusts in other ways the constant news feed of of news headlines and what's happening in the world is another form of curiosity uh, constantly scrolling through you know your news feed on social media and, and so on is a form of curiosity. And so I think we have to be very, very careful that we don't allow our our culture or our society to teach us what ought to be normal, that we ought to derive normalcy from the Word of God. And I think um, lust is certainly uh, not supposed to be thought of as normal or normative within the Christian life. It is a sin, and we have to be on guard about, uh, on guard against it. So hopefully that's helpful. Um, not trying to be legalistic or overly rigid, um, but really just think about, you know, why do you know things? Why do you desire to know things? Why are you flipping through your newsfeed? Um, maybe there is a high end, or a higher end, rather, um, but maybe not. I mean, and, and I think it's worth asking those questions, just because, you know, our concern is, honoring God and, and loving him and glorifying him. And so it's, it's helpful to consider. Anyway, hopefully this was uh, uh, useful. If it was, I'd appreciate a like, give a thumbs up, share it to your news feed, right? Maybe someone who is scrolling through curiously will see it and, uh, and then think more about, uh, about why they scroll. So God bless you guys. Have a good one.